Welcome to the Son of a Preacher podcast. Please sit back and listen to the thoughts and musings from sermons that were first brought to the pulpit four, five, even six decades ago. I am GW, and I am the Son of a Preacher. so happy to be talking to you all again today. This message was given during the summer of 1977. Scripture was from Luke, the 19th chapter, the 38th verse. said, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The topic today was, what is courage? Well, first, let me say that it takes courage to acknowledge one's faith in Christ. Now, having said that, The Webster Dictionary defines courage as being mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, and difficulty. And in the newest type of dictionary that we have today, meaning Wikipedia, courage is the choice and willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. So, it really does raise the question of what is it? What is courage? And it does, well, let's first of all just accept the fact that it does take courage to acknowledge one's faith in Jesus. It takes courage to acknowledge one's faith in anything. And if you don't think so, I mean, well, here in the last week, we've had a couple of examples of, I think, things that went on that were actually pretty courageous in the way they came about. And the one that comes to mind first is Brittany Griner the basketball player. Now, she was held in Russia for nine months and was exchanged for an arms merchant. And and she was exchanged here in the last couple days. Now, I'm not saying that she individually was a particularly brave or courageous type person, although she seems to have held up quite well under what can only be termed to be really difficult circumstances. But the person in this scenario that I really think is courageous is the other guy who did not get released, Mr. Whalen. Now, he's still in Russia. He's still in a Russia penal colony. And yet he was given the opportunity to speak. And he spoke with such calmness. And he spoke with such grace and understanding. He understood the fact that Brittany Griner got released, and he didn't. And that this was not his fault. And it was not the fault of Brittany Griner. It was just the way the politics are being played and that he has to wait his turn and his turn may never come. But he expressed, even in that time, he expressed his happiness for Brittany being released. Now, to me, that was a data point that shows courage. Courage that is really worth talking about and thinking about. You know, it's interesting when you look back at the time of Jesus that there were 12 disciples, and 11 of them died unnatural deaths. There was only one, and that being John. John was the only disciple that died a natural death. But he died a natural death after being banished to the Isle of Patmos. So having that type of courage to be one of the disciples and to recognize that you are at risk the entire time really is amazing. And my dad talked about many examples here at this time of missionary courage. 
birds that went on and on, you know, there in illustrations of missionaries in Africa's and different parts of the world that just really had such an impact on what was going on inside Christianity at that time. And my dad also talked about how, as a preacher, that occasionally a youngster would come into him and say, what do I need to do to be a preacher? I look at you preaching, and I think that this would be a wonderful way to spend my life. And, and I think that this is what I should do. Now, my dad would sit there with them, and he would counsel them, just like any person does. I don't know whether you ever did this when you were, you were a kid, but I know that if you went into your insurance agent, or if you went into your banker, or you went into your doctor, or you went into anyone else, you know, that was that was making a living, and, and you said, I want to do what you do, that that person would be one, they would be honored that you came and talked to them, and, and they would be happy to tell you about what it is that they do. But they're not necessarily always going to tell you the easy side of what they're going to do. You know, they're going to talk about the things that are, that you're going to have to put up with if you really want to do this for a living. And he talked about a fact that to be a minister and to go to seminary and to be trained, well, you could be a doctor with about the same amount of education. And then you could sit there and say, well, the doctor is probably going to be driving a big fancy car and living in a big house. And, you know, the minister is going to be living in a parsonage. Now, I don't know whether they still have parsonages today. I don't think they do in the way they did when I was a kid. But, you know, that parsonage that we lived in, it was always adequate housing. And in some cases, it was, it was a little larger than what you might expect. But it was not wonderful housing. It was always a house that had been used by many other ministers and their families. And so it was oftentimes in a state of disrepair. And so you you really had to work with your church to make sure that the minister was going to be living in a parsonage that was that was livable. Now, the minister does so much good work. And he goes, you, you know, most people think that when they come to church and they look at the minister preaching on Sunday and they go, wow, he has done his job. He preached on Sunday. But, you know, there's so much more to the job. There's the ministering to the sick and to the elderly and to the young and to the people in the church who are having trouble in their lives. Being a minister is a tough, tough job. It truly takes courage to be a Christian. But if you're going to be a Christian, well, why not be a good one? So he told the story. There was a chief usher in the White House. It was the late 1800s, during the during the presidency of Benjamin Harrison. And during that term, the Harrisons would come down, they'd eat breakfast. And after breakfast, the president and his family would retire back to the upper floors, and they would stay there for half an hour of prayer. And during that half an hour, the chief usher said the entire atmosphere of the house was changed. It would be kind of supercharged. There was this religious feeling that was going on. And everyone who was going about their daily duties, well, they felt that it was important that they not disturb the family during this time. And how important was it during this time 
for the first family of the country to have that type of prayerful relationship with the Lord. You know, there are many stories, many stories have gone on and on talking about how the Bible and how the Lord has helped people in great times of stress, have helped them to show courage. Now, during World War II, many, many stories are out there during World War II that show, that show how the knowledge of the Bible, knowledge of the Lord has helped people to survive in tremendously difficult situations, one of which was Rickenbacker uh, went down in a rubber raft, and he was adrift in the Pacific with a few guys. And they were there for a long time. And I forget exactly how long, but let's say a couple of weeks. But one of the people in the raft had a copy of the New Testament. And that was the only thing they had to read and, and to break up the monotony of just sitting in this raft day after day after day. So while they were out there in the raft, they said, well, let's, we'll just read it. We'll study it. And so they did. And it kept them steady. It kept them so they wouldn't go crazy. And they admit that it kept them sane. And, and a friend asked, he says, well, what if you hadn't been rescued? And they said, well, that New Testament would have helped us die like men and not like cowards. Interesting introspections on that. And then you have Abraham Lincoln. Now, Abraham Lincoln was a person who spent his early study of an in-depth reading of the Bible, and he mastered it. Now, we're talking in probably the 1830s, 1840s, maybe, at that time. Now, there weren't a whole lot of books that were out there. So I remember reading Westerns when I was a kid, and one thing they always said in the Western was that if a person was going to carry a book around with them, it was going to be a good book. You know, they weren't going to carry around a book that wasn't worth carrying. So Abraham Lincoln studied the Bible, and he, he became a man of the book. Now, he was, he was a man of courage. I mean, just think of the courage it took for him to end the war and not show malice against the Southern folks. And that early reading and understanding of the Bible had a lot to do with him being able to do that. So remember that Jesus, he's always with us. He's the ultimate source of our courage. And it is the presence of the Spirit within us that gives us courage to do the things that we must do. And believe me, at times it really does take courage to do the things that the Lord would have us do. Now, I've said over the last few podcasts that we've had a pretty good upheaval in this country over the last four or five years. And we've had several elections. It's moved the country in one direction or the other. And it's doing that right now. We are in the, in the time period between when election was held and when the new people coming into power come into power. But one thing about that whole time has stayed true. And that is that in this time of great, great consequence, we need to pray for the leaders of our country. Thank you for listening to this today. May the Lord bless you, keep you in peace. I do want to ask everyone listening to this today to help spread the word about this podcast. Help me continue to keep my father's work for the Lord alive. Please tell your friends and your church groups about this podcast. Share it on social media. Let people know that these inspirations are available. 
There's a new book available on Amazon titled Throwing Ink. It was a compilation of inspiration based on Dad's work. It was written by me, G.W. Stark. 